I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello all of you beautiful people, Jules here for WhatCulture.com and there's nothing like the experience of cinema, sitting there in your seat, gripping the armrests, going yes, yes, this film is going to be excellent and look, it's proving me right because the first ten minutes are brilliant as well and oh no, it's fallen off a cliff and oh dear, well, it happens to the best of us. So let's take a look at some examples today as I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com and these are ten movies that peak too soon. Number ten, Superman Returns. Though Brian Singer's Superman Returns is far from a bad film, it was nevertheless one that came and went without making much of a dent in the cultural consciousness. Now you have to suspect that its dew-eyed homage to the 1978 Richard Donner might have proved more successful in a present-day Hollywood which is obsessed with exploiting nostalgia, even if it is tough to deny that the film nevertheless peaks obscenely early. In fact, there's really only one single scene that's fondly remembered by fans, and that's the superbly crafted sequence where Superman saves a plane containing Lois Lane and other reporters from crashing into a baseball stadium. It's exactly the sort of high-stakes, elegantly executed set-piece that every Superman movie needs, to establish the Man of Steel's plucky heroism in relatively everyday circumstances, and it's a high that the rest of the film never really gets close to replicating. This is particularly problematic as the sequence occurs barely 40 minutes into the movie's beefy 154-minute runtime, the rest of which is largely concerned with Superman's uninteresting fatherhood woes and pedestrian nods to the original Donna movie. Number 9. Up Now, you won't find many people arguing that Pixar's Up is anything less than a very, 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 very good movie, but it's also fair to say that its opening sequence is so masterfully executed that the rest of the film doesn't even stand a chance of living up to it. The universally acclaimed Married Life opening montage depicts the love story of protagonist Carl and his eventual wife Ellie. Despite living a rich life together, they're left devastated by Ellie's miscarriage and their constant attempts to save for an adventure being derailed by unexpected life expenses. And to top it all off, just as they finally planned their journey in old age, Ellie falls ill and dies. The montage's largely wordless presentation and the universality of its emotions allowed it to become a pop culture phenomenon in its own right. Hell, it even has its own Wikipedia page. And though the rest of Up is a thoroughly charming and heartfelt movie, it still pales somewhat compared to that heart-swelling, almost impossibly brilliant opening 11 minutes. Audiences naturally hope for the movie to get to that level again, but it never does. Number 8. Speed Right, Speed is unquestionably one of the most exceptionally crafted action films of the entire 1990s, 
an expertly assembled high-concept action flick that delivers 91 minutes of gut-wrenching suspense as cop Jack scrambles to rescue a bus full of commuters placed in explosive peril by terrorist Howard Payne. So Jack saves the passengers and manages to get himself and passenger-slash-love interest Annie off the bus moments before it explodes, in what feels like a fittingly cathartic ending for the movie. But because Fox clearly felt that the film needed to end with a little more oomph, they insisted that it continue on for another 25 minutes, where Payne kidnaps Annie and a second climax takes place on a subway train. Now, this isn't to say that the extended finale is bad by any means, simply that it's completely unnecessary in a film that touts such an elegantly stripped-down premise. Once the bus explodes, the story should have been over, and Payne still being on the loose would have left the door open for a more compelling sequel than, um, well, Cruise Control, but studio meddlers clearly thought otherwise. Number 7. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is largely accepted to be the turning point for the spy franchise, where it transformed from a messy but entertaining action series into a phenomenally successful blockbuster IP. And few who've seen the film will ever forget the instantly iconic sight of Ethan clinging gingerly to the side of the Burj Khalifa, with nothing more than a scarcely functioning gadget glove holding him in place. But the whole Dubai sequence is thrillingly dynamic and takes up almost an entire half-hour of the movie, concluding just before the end of the second act. And so, there's an almost solid hour of movie left which has to try and live up to this brilliance, which, unsurprisingly, it doesn't. The subsequent Mumbai party sequence and Hunt's anticlimactic final battle with Kurt in an automated car park feel totally standard fare compared to the more heightened thrills of this Dubai sequence. Similarly, the next film, Rogue Nation, blew its wad by having Tom Cruise clinging to a plane in its opening sequence, though for the most recent effort, Fallout seemed to have learned its lesson by having Cruise scale and pilot a helicopter for real only in its closing action scene. Number 6. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom So Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom may have been one of the most disappointing blockbusters of the last few years, but it's tough to fault the efforts of the directing team who did everything within their power to make the film visually enticing and entertaining. And so the delirious instigating sequences, where the island is destroyed by a volcanic eruption that forces humans on the island to flee and killing all non-evacuated dinosaurs was clearly in search of a much better movie. But you know what? The film does a fantastic job with making the audience feel concerned with the poor dinosaurs. So much more than the humans, it has to be said, as befits the film's general animal rights message. No matter your opinion on the film as a whole, it's tough to argue against the unforgettably haunting departing image from the island, where the Brachiosaurus from the original Jurassic Park is shown being felled by the volcano's pyroclastic flow. But there's still an entire 80 minutes of the movie left, and not a second of which gets close to the efficient thrills of that sequence. From the goofy dinosaur auction to the dubious third-act shift to horror to the whole human cloning subplot, the latter two-thirds of Fallen Kingdom are an abject mess. Nobody needed yet another film set entirely on a dinosaur-infested island, but the subsequent mainland scenes felt like they were just time-wasting until the ending could set up the upcoming threequel, Jurassic World Dominion. Number 5. Wonder Woman It's hardly a controversial opinion that Wonder Woman is a very good super movie for about two-thirds of its runtime, before serving up a totally uninspired third reel that feels like a soulless mishmash of other prior comic book flicks. The film's much-lauded high point is clearly the No Man's Land sequence, where Diana gets her official coming-out party as Wonder Woman, capturing the enemy trench in Belgium and liberating the nearby village of Veld with the help of the Allied forces. It's exactly the sort of fist-pumping display of power that 
every superhero needs in their first solo movie, but it's a shame that the remaining hour of the movie can offer nothing even close to this. We get a mediocre false climax against General Ludendorff, and a hideous CGI-fueled second one with Ares, both of which tick every generic superhero movie box along the way. But I tell you, that one sequence in No Man's Land, mm, that is pure chef kiss. Number 4. Spectre the entire opening point of a James Bond pre-title sequence is to give audiences a dose of high-octane entertainment right out of the gate, and then set the tone of what's to come. Even so, most Bond movies manage not to shove their best ideas into the opening 15 minutes, but Spectre sadly didn't learn that lesson. By far the most memorable part of the entire movie, the pre-title sequence sees 007 preventing a bomb plot in Mexico City during the Day of the Dead celebrations. Between Sam Mendes's decision to shoot a large chunk of the scene in a digitally blended single take, and the generally high-wire nature of the action, it offers up everything fans expect to see ahead of a customarily glossy opening title sequence. That means that the remaining two hours plus of the movie are just largely characterized by an uneasy slide into mediocrity as Bond follows a series of breadcrumbs leading to a painfully labored reveal that Blofeld has been the author of all of his pain all along. Narratively a mess, overstuffed with characters, filled with oddly forgettable action, and totally wasting Waltz as the iconic villain, Spectre's riveting opening left the rest of the film feeling positively lethargic. Number 3. John Wick John Wick is surely one of the most surprising movies of the entire decade, taking a groan-worthy revenge film premise and elevating it courtesy of surprisingly robust world-building and thrilling action sequence. The film's gonzo high point is undeniably the mayhem at the Red Circle, where John shoots and fights his way through the nightclub in search of the pissant gangster who killed his dog and stole his car. The sequence, which occurs right in the middle of the movie, is a cathartic orgy of violence, and by far the film's best showcase for his skills. Enough Enough so that the actual climax of the film feels positively pedestrian by comparison. The rest of the movie is still plenty entertaining, do not get me wrong, but that final showdown at New York Harbor is just more of a pared down a familiar one than the intense kineticism of this club set carnage. Number 2. Avengers Age of Ultron It's pretty telling that the best scene in Avengers Age of Ultron isn't some impossibly lavish CGI-slathered set piece, but just a bunch of people in the room talking, and trying to lift a magic hammer, of course. Now, Age of Ultron opens with a decent enough set piece, as the Avengers raid a Hydra facility, follows up with what is by far the most iconic and memorable scene from the entire film, the post-mission party. There's some great banter between all of the characters, and a fun Stan Lee cameo as well, but most notably we get to see most of the male Avengers trying to lift Mjolnir in vain, including Steve Rogers, who manages to nudge it a tad, much to Thor's chagrin. As much as many criticize Joss Whedon's screenplay for the movie being overtly cutesy and quippy, this scene is pretty much perfect in developing the characters alongside some organic humor. It also laid the groundwork for that spectacular payoff in Avengers Endgame, of course, where Cap finally wills Mjolnir for himself. But the rest of Age of Ultron is a curiously benign affair, inoffensive for sure, but also a bit uninspired, with a series of increasing episodic set pieces and excursions, none of which are as entertaining or as meaningful as a few superheroes just hanging out in a room. And number one, The International. Now, don't feel too bad if you don't remember this 2009 action thriller, which was indeed a serviceable yet largely forgettable star vehicle for the criminally underappreciated Clive Owen. Owen stars as Louis, an Interpol agent who finds himself investigating a far-reaching banking corruption scheme, and at the end of the second act, the trail leads him to New York's Guggenheim Museum, where he's suddenly fired upon by a fleet of assassins. The six-minute sequence, impeccably filmed inside an absurdly convincing purpose-built replica of the museum's interior, 
is so thrilling and suspenseful that you're left to wonder why they didn't just stage the finale here. Instead, the audience is left to decompress for a mostly action-devoid third act. It would have made sense for the bulk of the movie to have built slowly to this cathartic explosion of violence at the film's end, rather than dish up this glorious set-piece mid-movie and leave audiences expecting more like it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.